Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Codurance Talks, the podcast where we talk about all things technology, software development, and craftsmanship. I'm Jose, J.R. Huerta on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'll be your host for today's session. And I'm joined today by two of our senior craft people, um, Alistair Smith and Javier Martinez. Uh, Alistair is from the Manchester office, and Javier is a data engineer who recently also joined our Barcelona office. Uh, so, guys, uh, welcome. Hiya. Nice to meet you. Yeah, um, I guess I'll do introductions. So, uh, yeah, my name is Alistair. I, I work for Coduance Manchester uh, and as a senior craftsperson, uh, I've been working with Coduance for two years now uh, and I'm loving the craftsmanship approach to development. It's great. Great. Thanks, Jose. Uh, thanks, Alistair. I'm Javier. I'm a Pythonista, Pythonista uh, with seven years of experience lately working with ETLs and data engineering projects dealing with Python and Kotlin, so ready for the topic of today. And that is a that is a very good segue into into our topic today because we're going to be talking about a massive topic, uh, which is very prominent not only in you know the software industry, but also it's very dear to any craft person uh, in general, and that is testing. particular today we're going to be talking about uh, creating a testing culture and what are the challenges uh, around that uh, and a lot of other topics around testing. And I, again it's a massive thing actually when we were when we we're looking at uh, topics to cover the list was so huge that we thought we may have to do another uh, you know a two-part kind of uh, thing so so let's let's get into it like let's start with with a really good question which is why would someone you know why testing why is this important and why would someone want to listen to you know a couple of software developers talking about testing for for an hour yeah i think that's a good question um Javier, do you want to go first uh yeah thank you uh- it's a great question, and I think the my answer is that it's a controversial uh, topic. So each of us tries to develop in a, in a better way, in the in the best way we we can. Uh, and testing is within uh, the best practices, but there are many details in the real life that are linked to testing to providing value and to, to develop. So it's not always possible uh, to achieve the, the quality that we look into the literature. So uh, we are going to go through many topics related uh, with this, and probably provide some insight into what we, we have found in the in real experience. In the trenches, no? <laughs> The trenches, exactly. Yeah, under fire and everything. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Yeah, I, I think I agree with with, with with Javier on this one. I think he sort of hit the nail on the head. And I'm not going to add too much to it. I think for me, I'd like to think of testing as, as a tool which get, helps get the job done. And yeah, I think I think it's if if you didn't know anything about it, you would be worse off. But that doesn't mean to say you have to use it per se. So I, I'm I'm sort of being very much on the hedge with this one. But yeah, um, I think it's 
as a developer, it's your responsibility to at least know about it, even if you don't use it. For that's, sure. a, that's a good point because you, you mentioned, well, it's, it's a tool and you're not, you know, you're not forced to use it, but is it even possible to do software development without testing? I think, no, that's, that's a bit of a, I think personally, I think it's a, it's a bit impossible to do that because yeah, you're, you are testing, mm. right? Uh, whether you're doing manu- doing it manually or not, you s- somehow need to figure out if what you're doing is correct or is behaving the way that you expect it now. So w- what do you think? No, I completely agree. I, I think that at uh, some level or another, we all do testing as, as developers. How we actually choose to do that formally or informally is is a different question entirely. But yeah, I mean, uh, how you very? I don't think I've ever heard of a person who's gone and written a piece of computer code in one setting sitting down never running it and being like yeah it's perfect it's good just ship it do you know what i mean like you have to run it at some point and you probably run it multiple times before you deliver it so that is in its own right a form of testing you could argue for sure yeah yeah exactly i mean um i think it's impossible as you as you almost remarked uh, so it's impossible to develop for me the the mental flow is like okay i have these uh, this goal I have to achieve, this specification I have to achieve. So many times uh, developing a feature has to do with exploratory coding. So during that phase, I always test. So maybe you have to work with a new uh, library, a new package, so you have to test it before. And while figure out, uh, figuring out uh, how the feature will be, and how the code will be. Uh, I'm personally uh, testing um, the code uh, in the command line, in the interpreter, so that I can achieve uh, fast results and and achieve the goal. Yeah, so there is inherent value no into it as you mentioned no there is this exploratory like trying to figure out what it is that you're trying to build to some extent and there's the specification side of it now is is it working the way that it's supposed to uh but i would also add you know, and and the and comes to mind you know let's say a drug right like if you if you buy something that hasn't gone through the the proper testing right uh you know it may you know that that product doesn't have the value you know that if it went through the proper testing right like even if it gets you the same result the confidence once you go through that process of verifying to some extent that that things actually work that already increases the value of of what you're you know using no, and it happens the same with with software i, I think agreed yeah no i agree i, th- I think the, the effort put into doing testing is valuable in its own right it, it shows care has been taken yeah Indeed, I think that uh, we will go into it, uh, but different methodologies or different mental flows will allow you to provide better quality software. So, for instance, we will go probably soon into the TDD, uh, but um, if you develop a good battery of tests, uh, probably you will um, go through all the possibilities all the branches that you have in your code um, and then uh, see all the weak points, the points of failure and correct them before you launch it into production or even into staging. 
so before QA. Well, that, that's another uh, very good point, no? because uh, actually uh, doing the testing will actually reduce the, uh, the cost basically of of finding defects or or things like this right especially if you're using automated testing right like the 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 more you can do that feedback loop of of checking if things are going the way they want and uh, the, the faster you can do that uh, the better right like if if ever if you only find defects all the way when you get to production, no, that is a costly mistake, right? Uh, you, you can definitely reduce that by by using testing, no. And and you also mentioned another uh, point that I think is very interesting, which is, uh, you know, does it conduce to good quality code and so on, right? What what do you think about that? So I think I think that. Um you know, quality is an interesting question in its own right. I'm not going to dig too too deep into the concept of quality, <laughs> um, but I think part of the craftsmanship mentality is taking pride in your work and taking care to do it right. And I think for me, um, doing testing, at least being mindful of doing testing and and knowing that it's something which lends value is part about being a craftsman in terms of taking that pride you wouldn't i think actually that the the drug metaphor you were referring to before was quite useful in that respect because if you were taking pride in providing something for other people's benefit you wouldn't just want to rush it out and ship it out the door as fast as possible without knowing that it's actually going to benefit the people you want to sell it to it's much similar in software i think that the testing provides quality insofar as you're taking the time to ensure you're giving the product that your customer wants. So I think, yeah, definitely it, good, good testing. Good testing has a very positive impact on quality and ensuring quality. Bad testing, maybe not, but that's a different conversation maybe for later in the, in the conversation, yeah. That, that's really interesting thing. I mean, how to define good and bad testing. And the first thing that comes to my mind is that, as we said, no, you can test, like doing uh, the command line, your test, uh, really dirty and you know that it's working but this is for me bad testing i mean it's obvious obviously you test your solution and you are sure that it's working or well, partially sure um but uh, yeah when you develop a battery of automatic automatic tests um you ensure yourself and also you ensure the people uh, the rest of the team and the people that come after you. So one key aspect also of testing is documenting the functionality. So um, that's why, for instance, we try to use really verbose uh, name of uh, in the test. So uh, specifying um, what is the goal of that, that test, which is the functionality that we we want to put under test and this provides a lot of value and this is for me at least a good testing no despite both are testing so yeah and and also it gives you that safety net now that that mental i i personally i i suck i'm a very bad developer yeah and this is why <laughs> i like testing so much especially automated testing uh because it allows me to you know check myself 
No, like I know that I'm not missing stuff, no, or that, and if I do, I can catch it really quickly. And that provides me with, you know, the mental space, no, uh, to, to actually focus on, on other areas that are more, you know, important in that sense, right? So, uh, I think that's also, there is, there's a, there is a mental benefit, no, of, of uh, stability and, and safety, no, uh, in, in using uh, tests uh, in that sense. In fact, I, I really love that you brought that up because in, in a previous um, demonstration I did to a client about, you know, why testing is useful and how you can do it, there's a metaphor I used. Did you guys ever watch the movie Free Solo, the guy who climbed Mount uh, Yosemite, uh, yeah. Yosemite without yeah. any harness and stuff? For me, test-driven development is kind of like um, climbing with all the gear, right? And like not doing TDD. I mean, this is quite opinionated, but not deep doing TDD is like having no gear and having to climb this huge mountain, right? At least if you're doing TDD, if you fall over, you know, it usually gives you some indication of where, kind of like if you fell off a mountain, but you had a rope attached, you're going to stop somewhere on the way down. You're not going to fall all the way to the bottom. So yeah, I, I love that, that, that idea of, of testing, allowing to you to free yourself from the fear of the task at hand you know it lets you get your head out of the fear of oh my god have i done it right and, and just get on with the work so yeah for me i like that metaphor of rock climbing it's the gear right and you can yeah. and you can explore right like you can mm. try things out it doesn't work you know revert whatever and, and you can you know be sure that you didn't screw at least the stuff that you're testing you know uh so so that's a good point you especially notice that when you don't have, I remember uh, once when I arrived to a project in which there were no, no tests at all. So one day we, we found that there was a mismatch in a, in a number. So like a random error. So a, uh, uh, how is it called? A flaky error. Um, well, I don't remember, but it was yeah, a, flaky, a flaky test or flaky <laughs> test. But there were no tests, so it was a, <laughs> a flaky error, or I don't know. An intermittent, a, an intermittent <laughs> error. <laughs> a random error. So uh, it took like one week because you had to dig in the code uh, in which part exactly, in which in the, of the classes where the, uh, that error, and at the end was just a, a sum that it was uh, a plus that was not properly done. Uh, someone forgot to, to add one parameter and the amount of time and money at the end that cost to the, to the whole company, it's incredible. And it's a really interesting thing because also I have found that uh, there is a, some, sometimes eh, a competitions between the product team and the rest of the project and the developers know that we want uh, to follow this uh, good practice and uh, we are proud craftsmanship, craft, craftsmen. Uh, so it's an interesting topic, no? This, the, have you observed also this uh, situation in which there is a lot of pressure, rush, and they say, oh, well, don't test too much, or I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, yeah, I completely um, have seen this both in, in, in before I was working for Coherence. There's a few companies I work for where um, that was frequently brought up. You know, I work for these companies which they didn't necessarily see the value in testing and they certainly didn't test drive. They test in retrospect. And it was commonly a, a phrase which was bandied about, which is, well, why are you spending so much time on the testing? Because the code already works or something like that. 
And the, the arguments you have to push back with that, it, it makes you feel awful, honestly. I mean, that's, again, this is all my opinion, but it makes you feel terrible when you have to just go with the fact that someone's telling you not to test because of a pressure, a time pressure, because you're actually, you, you're kind of, you're letting yourself down in, in a way. You know that there's a better way of doing it. And yet, you, you, you know, you, you're not allowing, you're not being allowed to do that. It's a not a pleasant feeling, yeah, for sure, absolutely. There's 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 been that a few times. It, there there is this, uh, you know, Corey Haynes, the uh, you know, one of the biggest promoters for you know Global Day of Code Retreat and and all this stuff, right? Um, I remember uh, watching one of his uh, intros to uh, Code Retreats, and he he said, you know, the difference between how you do things when you have all the time in the world, no, and how you do things uh, when you're under pressure, right? Uh, is is a measure of how much you suck, right? Uh, as in, you know, it shouldn't because because this is another argument. A lot of people say, that, "Well, you're you're writing twice the amount of code. Now you're writing the code that you need to write, and then you're writing more code. So that's that's just resting. You know, is taking away from that. But uh, but the reality is that a lot of the time it doesn't really take that much of a difference right if you if you really are proficient with it if you were no it it it's it's the the benefits definitely outweigh you know any cons that there may be in there right and and that's another aspect right and i think going into the the topic also you know, and how to build a culture of testing now that we know all of the benefits and all the uh, you know we, we talked about all the things uh that is you know those arguments or that resistance not to actually testing and in many cases it's not just a, a tdd but testing in general right is is one of those things that makes it sometimes harder not to to have that conversation if you don't have the right arguments or you don't if, or if you're not proficient no uh, enough and you're the one trying to to uh, push forward uh, one of these changes no so so what do you think like where where would someone start when trying to to do to introduce something like this right like or to shape the culture uh, towards a culture of testing well, I think the the culture um, should be also come from an agreement within the team, if if possible. No, if the team has the independence to to take this decision, if not, uh, should come from the CTO within the organization. So at the end, uh, I think it's related to see the the testing as a as part of the of the code that needs to be developed. So the same way you need that uh, the form in the web page looks in this way and have these fields, uh, the product owner uh, needs to, 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 to demand, to, to ask for a, an amount of, of tests that covers the, the functionalities, no? the same way that he will ask for this button or this uh, new column in the database or whatever, uh, this should be asked for uh, within the, the definition of the task. Well, I, I actually think that it, it, this is, the, again, going back to the quality aspect of this, it, it, 
I think that should be owned uh, by the team. No, it is great for the, the, the product owner definitely wants the, the product to behave the way that it should behave, right? Where that happens, you know, with a test, with a manual test or with an automated test or whatever, that's that's a different thing. Now, so I think uh, to, to that point, yes, it's, you know, the uh, product side of things or the delivery side of things should drive the the main need because a lot of the time is is again about speed it's about delivery right um but it's something that needs to be owned by uh by the team itself as you said no it, it needs to be an agreement internally within uh, the team and uh, as a way to do their job better i don't know what, what do you think uh, as a so this is an interesting question, and and much like everything in this industry, uh, it always starts with it depends, right? Um, You're a consultant, I, right? <laughs> well, there you go. That's the dead giveaway right there, right? <laughs> Ask me a question, and if my answer isn't it depends, then you're not a consultant, right? Um, but yeah, no, I, th- I think that to narrow the the scope of the way I can answer this, I think there's two probably dominant cases I see of people who want to establish a testing culture and they want to know where to start. The first case is in an environment where there is a lot of negativity around testing and sort of the belief that it's going to slow you down and this and the other. Um, and this may not always be from within the dev team, but it may be from from uh, higher up in the, in the company. It's, as we say, it's a culture, right? So it's probably going to want to permeate through more than just the dev team itself. <laughs> Um, so that's one case in which people often want to bring testing to their work environment, but they don't know how. The other one is that um, generally people are open to the idea of bringing testing into the team, but they're just not sure how to get started. Like there's so many different kinds of testing, they don't know where to get going. So to start with the first case, if you're in an environment where it's a relatively hostile towards testing, or historically it has been, I think you you are going to find it very difficult to get buy-in from the developers unless you have buy-in from the people above them understanding why they want to do it. And I think that the, the, to start that ball rolling, you need to have an open conversation about how the team or rather even the company at large feels that they are delivering quality products. Um, I think that's the easiest way to get things started. As soon as you put, you stand in front of somebody and say, hey, if we're not doing this, are we really delivering a quality experience for our customers? It becomes a bit of a moral question almost whether or not you should be doing testing. And it forces people to really look hard at their current development process and ask, are we getting by? Are we doing enough? Are we doing brilliantly? Um, and that usually gets the ball rolling with, with getting people to understand the benefits. Now, there's a whole lot more we can talk about in terms of the arguments to support that and encourage that change, but maybe that's something we'll come back to in a minute. With regards to the second case, however, where people are generally open to wanting to start testing, but they don't know how, I think the biggest complexity there is the massive variation in the amount of tests and also the way in which people communicate about the different types of tests. People use different terminology. Under those conditions, I would say to people, just start by trying to write units, unit tests, which is basically tests for those who aren't aware, maybe the simplest way of defining this is tests at the smallest um, compound unit of code. So that might be a class level or that might be a, a, a React component level. Just write tests at that level. Start there and see what benefit you get. Um, and then work upwards. Um, so that, that's my immediate response. But again, <laughs> it depends, right? So we could dig into that further if we wanted. 
So there, there is a good point what you what you said uh, that for me when the people are uh, open to to test and they know the the benefits, uh, there are things or um, techniques or, or rituals that benefit this. Uh, in my experience, at least, uh, the, the pair programming is one thing. Uh, when you are with someone pairing, uh, it's, it's more likely that uh, you spread this willing of testing this, you spread the culture. Yeah, and, and it lowers and also the, the barrier to entry. No, like if you already have, if you are proficient and you're pairing with someone who's not, they, they can quickly, you know, see how it's done and, and learn faster than if they were trying that on their own. Right. Yeah. So. But, um, but even if both are, uh, new in the team or junior person people. So it's, I, I found a really benefit into pairing because um, they both get into that. And the second aspect that, uh, benefit I think is the, um, continuous, uh, integration. So when you have automatic, um, so in the last project I have been, uh, we, we said a GitHub action to, to run the test. Uh, every time we, we make a, a push basically because they run really fast. So it's a, uh, it brings a lot of visibility. No, uh, everybody knows that, uh, the tests were run and that we were achieving this uh, level of coverage and that we are increasing it, not decreasing it. Despite coverage, we can talk also about that. It's, a, it's perhaps not the, the most suitable metric, but at, at least give you some insight into uh, the pace of the, of the testing. So visibility is also kind of important in an automatic way, no? when we develop automatic tests. It's, it's good that you mentioned this because there is this awareness part. Now, in the first case where, you know, people are not, no, uh, say they've, they've had bad experiences or they're not even aware that there is, an, a, you know, quality issue or you know uh then it's going to be really hard to to get anything done right like you have the resistance of the previous experience plus you know there's no other evidence than your anecdotal <laughs> evidence or that you know your suggestion no? uh to to go down that route uh which is it's just difficult right like you if you're not if 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 people don't even see that as a, as a problem, then, you know, <laughs> we're trying to solve a problem that doesn't exist. Right. Um, and, and that is, that is part of the thing now. So having that conversation that you were saying before and, uh, and understanding what the impact of, of not adopting certain practices, like what Javier was saying before, no, either continuous delivery, automated testing and so on, uh, what the impact for that is in the product and how that reflects. No? And there are lots of ways to, to go about that, no? but uh, you know, we, we like to use a lot of the accelerate metrics from uh, you know, the you know, lead time, mean time to restore, you know, change failure rate and so on. Right? So if every time that you put into production, how many of the things that you're putting into production are broken how much how long do you take in you know recovering from that what's the impact maybe for the business uh, if the system is down for three hours yeah maybe that's money that is being lost right and 
starting there on the on the utility of it, right, and and the impact that it can have for the business is a good, you know, starting point. Having that conversation because if you have that, then there is something to be gained by doing things differently. I'm not saying it needs to be TDD. I'm not saying it needs to be, you know automated testing whatever but there, there something needs to be done because what we're doing right now is not working that well right and then you can you know help people go down that down that route no um so yeah i think that that's one aspect so yeah that, that's also a, a good um i mean clarifying these points are also uh good if you're in your organization or in your company um the amount of tests is really it's really low uh, it's a it's good to have these conversations to start uh, develop a, a battery of tests it's, it's it's never too late what i'm saying because you, you don't know when an error uh, will pop up and If you don't have anything, it probably will be in production. And this, as Jose said, it will have a, an impact. And so it's never too late. And well, after this conversation, uh, if people are convinced that uh, it will have an impact in the cost, in the, in the organization, you can start developing this. It's never too late. It's, in my opinion, eh? it's never too late to take a project that is in production and if has no test, start slowly uh, developing some unit tests and increasing the testing pyramid. Now, in in the other case where where it's more about proficiency, no, where it's more about oh, I don't have the skills and I need to build them. Um, as you mentioned, uh, unit testing and and Javier, you mentioned uh, pairing. Um, are there any other uh, suggestions that that you may have uh, for someone who's in a, in general? I would suggest this for anybody who wants to learn. Um, we could call them craftsmanship skills, but you could also call them just uh, general software engineering skills. I, I have found that when I've worked with teams who are very junior um, and they know how to sort of write in a programming language, but they don't necessarily know any software development best practices, for example, catas um, are an ideal way to throw them into the mix with something which which ultimately it's not going to have any major impact on you know um, an actual product or uh, there's no real time constraints behind it they can do it in their own time um catas are great for this because it's basically just like a the perfect staging ground to try new techniques out so so just for maybe the listeners that don't know what a kata is mm. what what is a kata so a kata is like um, a, a contrived problem which lets you exercise certain uh, programming skills so um for instance the classic one you, you hear about all the time is you write a you write a program to uh, generate the fizzbuzz pattern of numbers, right? Um, and so you can you can often find these online if you if you Google them for like coding catas. In fact, I think Codejones has their own uh, catalyst uh, project where we we, we uh, expose a whole bunch of catas we really like. Just going to put a shameless plug in there for that and, and videos on how to solve them as well, them so as you well. can learn. You don't have to like do it do it on your own. Yeah, yeah but they're just they're just programming uh, tasks. Uh, basically and they, they, but they usually have a, a certain 
they usually make a certain expectation in your approach so that you uh, you explore a, a side of uh, software development practices you might not have looked at before. So yeah, I'd really recommend them if you compare with a junior member of the team and, and do a kata, that's a great way to do it for sure. Yeah, and and also uh, there is a, the aspect of well, it doesn't have to be pairing, right? Like you could get together. Remember, a long time ago when we started the the software craftsmanship community here in Spain, uh, we would we would just hang out at someone's uh, workplace after hours, no, and and do mob programming, right? And just try to to you know solve one of these exercises using TDD or whatever it is that we wanted to practice right and that is also a good uh, way of of sharing that knowledge and creating that uh, proficiency and that understanding of, of why it is needed and how to solve uh, certain you know day-to-day challenges now when when you're trying to do this um, yeah it's interesting that uh, sometimes the junior are uh, or new new people in the in the field uh, are more open to uh, integrate these practices. So uh, I have seen also the situations in which the senior with that label uh, of the seniority they there can be an episode about that. By the way, <laughs> we we can do another another talk just on that topic. Yeah. But yeah, but but you know what I mean that they said no. I don't. Well, we can skip. Yeah, the, the one with the knowledge the, and go for it because it's a we are in a rush and they go without testing because they have the theoretically the knowledge and then yeah. So this is something as you said, uh, both of you said it comes from the team, no matter which level of expertise and what do you think that what do you think that is what do you think people who are let's say less experienced no or that are joining and, and so on are more open to to adopt this types of, of practices or more um yeah so i have a, a theory um but it's mostly based off of my own internal mental processes when i was very very new to the, the programming world or being a professional programmer rather I think um, people tend to be open to it because they feel inexperienced and they feel vulnerable and they feel like they need to improve themselves so that they can be a valuable member of the team. Um, So I think that they're motivated to do it because they believe that trying new things, learning more techniques uh, gives them a certain sense of not purpose, um, a sense of a baseline ability, which means that they can be a, a positive contributing force to a project. So I think I think that it's the vulnerability of being new to the to the profession which which makes people so open. Myself, but again, it's just based off my own internal feel of, uh, thought process. I'm sure there's some very very confident developers coming straight out of uni and being like, "Nah, sod that. I'm going to do what I want to do." So I think, um, but yeah, that's that's my current working theory. I think. There is um, a concept uh, in martial arts that is uh, uh, the newcomer mind. I don't remember exactly the terms in Japanese, but it has to do that uh, no matter if you are black belt, uh, try to keep the uh, white belt uh, mentality. Um, and you forget uh, while you are practicing you gain your skills, you, you polish your skills and you feel uh, more confidence. And you, as you said, uh, as there, uh, you are terrified of being in wrong or in a, a uncomfortable situation, unknown situation. Uh, but it's from those situations where you gain 
more knowledge. And this is why, uh, in general, uh, in martial arts, and probably we can extrapolate this to any uh, aspect of, of life, uh, it's good to put you in this uh, out of your comfort zone, no? It's, it's said that you, you will get the highest gains from that. So I think they call it the beginner's mindset, don't they? Um, I think it's, so, yes. it's actually, a, I think it's, it comes from Zen Buddhism, if I'm not mistaken, uh, the beginner's mindset and always having that open mentality. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. Something I've heard of it about actually through craftsmanship, I've heard about this as well. Yeah. But yeah, the empty the cup kind of no, uh, Zen story, right? Where you, you need to have space in order to learn something new, right? Like if you're, if, it, if the cup is already filled, uh, it will be hard to, yeah, to to put anything in, no. Um, no per, perhaps the advantage of TDD, if you are really methodic, is that it's a method. No, uh, is you will not feel oh I should. It, it's like a ritual for you if you integrate it in yourself, and it's part. It's like breathing. Uh, it's nothing that you can skip. You will do it, and then uh, you will force in that way to always do the test. So uh, perhaps it's a method that uh, push your or makes you more humble and say, okay, I will assume this. I think Ken Beck uh, said that, that this methodology, this methodic approach uh, helps him uh, to develop because he was quite chaotic. And maybe it's also um, because of this that no matter how senior or how much experience you have, uh, it's really, really good to integrate it like a daily or like a ritual. Yeah, there, there is this aspect, just like the kata, right? Like there is this set of movements that you go through, you know, and uh, when you're practicing deliberately, you no, know, and you're going through them conscious, uh, conscious about it, you no, know, and uh, at some point it just becomes, you know, the the way, right? Like you don't have to really think, you you don't really have to think a lot about it, right? It's just there ingrained, like you know how to react, you know how to go about it, and the more uh, practice you get, the easier it, it gets, you no. Know? Uh, this is going again back to the proficiency thing. No, like it doesn't really have to be something extra that you're doing. It's just the way that that you're doing it. No, and and it's it's really good, uh, really good point there because when you have someone that doesn't have the experience, right, or the proficiency, having this framework, right, that they can you know stick to. Uh, in order to start gaining that proficiency and that somehow allows them also to like you know fail and 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 recover from that and and so on uh will will definitely be a a, a lot of help you no know? uh and then once you have that proficiency you can choose you know how far away you want to stray from that right because because that's the other thing right like when you're starting it's all baby steps and you know especially with tdd you know it's like oh we're gonna you know what's the smallest thing that we can do in order to make the test pass and so on and you build on top of that but then you know i i, I go to baby steps when i took a step too long and, and i 
screwed it up. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, no, <laughs> I need to go back. No, it, it's a bit about creating that safety, going back now to, to that, that, that safety net, no? And uh, having something that is sort of like an anchor that you can go to and, you know, will will allow you to be to continue to be stable, no? And you can stray from that and so on, but uh, it, it helps, you know, in, in having that stability. I, I want to play now the uh, devil's advocate. Uh, so uh, how many times did you push to production without testing? Because I have done it. So I've, I've I, done it too. I mean, it's a bit realistic also that sometimes uh, for whatever constraints or situations of real life, it's not possible. So uh, for the people who are listening, uh, don't feel bad about it. I think <laughs> every developer has done it uh, in less or more degree. Um, so that's why the, the practices and methods that we comment before uh, could help you to, to uh, resist the temptation of, ah, I push to production, I'm really, I don't care or, or whatever. So don't do that. Uh, think carefully and about the consequences. So, Well, to, to answer your question, I've done that. Yes, I've done that. I've, you know, I have to say that there are times where that was not even, uh, you know, yeah, let me let me jump in, you know, SSH and and just change it for you. There you go, done, <laughs> right? Uh, but then you realize what the problems are with that kind of approach when something breaks, <laughs> right? It, it's, it, it's a bit like, uh, you know, it, it, it teaches you really quickly <laughs> that that's not the way to go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you, you start somewhere, no? And uh, Especially if they call you at 11 at night, hey, <laughs> something's broken in production and tomorrow we have a, a, some special day. So uh, we had the tradition in in the last in my last team uh, to have a, every every time we need to do a hot fix or a fix uh, develop new test. So if the fix has no test, will not be approved. So you 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 at least we have one more test. <laughs> Yeah, I think this is interesting because, um, you know, I, I completely agree that there has been times when, for whatever reason, you just need to move code quickly, right? And um, it's not always the best idea. And retrospectively, you nearly always regret it. Um, but I, everyone does it. And I don't think that people should feel bad if they've been forced into a position of doing that. Because if they knew how not to, they almost certainly would do. It's, it's, this isn't a moral question at this point. It's uh, what's necessary. Um, but I think what was interesting based off of what Javier just said, and also based off of what Jose was saying about immediately realizing, okay, this wasn't the wisest idea. A, a very interesting thing I've found when I've been working with relatively, um, junior teams of developers and introducing testing to them is very quickly just by proxy of using test driven development and having to think about what your tests are doing and and how you're actually exercising your code you learn more about your code and you think more deeply about your code as well how it's written what the impacts of it are especially if you include multiple layers of testing so not just unit level but say integration level or acceptance stuff up depending on your definition um, you actually get more insight into the way your code is architected and structured and what it's doing i think through 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 
using testing, which is an interesting interesting aspect that people don't often talk about. I think so. So I'm gonna now you know like poke you a little bit there because so does that mean then that if you're not doing testing, you're a bad developer? No, not at all. Not at all. Not in slightest. And I know I'm just sort of uh, I'm jumping over oh, the hedge geez. left and right here. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, no, I, th- I think that. Um, this is the thing you, you see a lot with senior developers, actually, is that, that, you know, they obviously know the code they're talking about because they've worked on it for a long time. But it, and it, so it definitely doesn't make them a bad developer if they don't test, but it, it makes it easier for people who don't know the code to learn more about it using testing. It doesn't make, make a developer who knows the code bad. It just makes those who don't know about the code more able to work with it, I think. So. Yeah, well, one way of, of saying it is like because they've been working on that code for a very long time, they've already learned how to work with it. Whereas someone who hasn't had that experience yet, they they need to shorten the feedback loop, and they get you know a lot of benefits from shortening through testing. It's, yeah, it's like putting pilots into a flight simulator. They can fly and crash that plane 200, 300 times in half an hour. And every time they learn a little bit more, instead of just throwing them straight into a 747 and say, go, don't mess up or else, right? Like it's, 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 just, it's very similar. Um, you know, it gives them the ability to, to mess up, basically. Yeah. So it's interesting this thing you mentioned about knowing, I mean, testing helping you to know the architecture or design of your um, system. Because I was reading uh, today, uh, I think one of the books of Uncle Bob. So he mentioned, or he said that uh, perhaps testing is the outermost layer. So you have um, the the domain, the application, uh, and the infrastructure, and maybe in the even one more layer uh, of testing because nothing uh, depends on testing. So testing is just consuming, no? For testing everything. Uh, um, by developing a test, uh, you learn more of what it what is inside, no? Uh, and which are the relationship between the different agents uh, that you have within your architecture. That's a really good point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and I think if you if you start talking to a, a group of developers about their testing pyramid, so assume for a minute you're you're working with developers who who do do testing, and you start talking to them about how they structure their testing pyramid, because frankly everybody does it different. I haven't yet been to a client which does it the same way as the previous one. When you have that conversation, what's really interesting is you actually learn about where they've divided mentally. And, and both in, in terms of the literal architecture they put down in lines of code, where they've created lines and layers and separations in their code base, just through having that conversation. So that, for me, is, is good evidence that if you do good testing uh, and you do it uh, over multiple layers, you probably have to take some serious consideration for your architecture. So, yeah, you tend to, you tend to learn these things pretty quickly when you have to think about that. Yeah. So would you say that then it, it conduces to better architecture or, or design? I think it can, it can do that. I think it can also lead you down the absolute opposite road if you're not careful. Um, I think it forces you to think very deeply about your architecture when you do, when you do testing. Certainly, I think, especially with outside-in driven development or test-driven development, um, but I, it doesn't necessarily mean you will end up with a good architecture 
Um, but it does definitely mean you'll have to think about it. Um, yeah, I, I won't go into the details of that just yet, but yeah, there are ways of testing which could lead you down a very difficult path if you're not careful. Uh, but they're quite nuanced it's, it's, in general. I think you don't you don't have that problem. But yeah, yeah. Especially if you go one level of abstraction uh, from unit tests, you go to integration, in which, as the name said. Or in my in my mind, you have to integrate different components. You need to know which are the relationship between these components. Um, this is kind of the definition of architecture. No, uh, architecture is the ordering of the different components of your solution or, or your piece of software. Um, so probably you have to think uh, about that. Really good point. So what about uh, so what about the uh, you know we talked about proficiency we talked about resistance when it comes to the news um, what about the ownership aspect of this and we we touched on it kind of lightly before now when we're talking about the product owner and so on and a lot of the times you find you know uh, teams where you know you have a QA uh, a person no or a QA or a QA department right and you've already created this um, very tightly packed silos <laughs> of of who's supposed to be taking care of this no um well what recommendations or what what's the experience with that like trying to break let's say those silos down or trying to bring that uh, ownership for the quality back into the team so this is um Sorry, Javier, I'll jump straight on this. I think this, uh, the reason I jumped so quickly onto this is uh, this is a pet peeve of mine. Um, I definitely agree that it is the team's responsibility to look after quality. So as an extension of that statement, I find it very frustrating when people assume that if they have a, a member, of, if they have a quality engineer or even a QA team, that it is a QA's responsibility to look after the, the testing because but it's very common. It's exceptionally common. And it, it bugs me massively because just because you're looking after quality, that that doesn't mean you're looking after all of the testing. And a quality engineer is responsible for, for ensuring that we hit quality standards. That doesn't mean he's responsible for making doing all of the testing at worst, or even just making sure that we, we do the testing ourselves. He's responsible for, for, for a much broader spectrum of, of, of responsibility. Right. So this really bugs me. And, um, I'm not entirely sure what the right thing is, but I feel very confidently that it certainly isn't just offloading all of your test responsibility to a separate team or a separate individual in the team. I think that equality in general should be something that you should be taking pride in delivering as a developer. And and really that should be your guiding compass here. Do you, are you proud of the code you developed? Are you, are you confident that the code you developed is is of a good standard? That should tell you whether or not you should be doing the testing or not. It's, it's, it's your responsibility to develop good code. So yeah, that, that's where I stand. As I said, I'm not entirely sure of the the perfect solution. I don't think there is one, but I think offloading your your testing responsibility to a single individual or team is just nonsense. And I, I disagree with it massively myself. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have seen also this behavior um, of uh, delegating um, the responsibility of testing in the QA. And it's really harmful. It's really harmful uh, related to what we mentioned before is uh, because um, 
imagine you are in a big, uh, or well, big, no, but in a project in which you have uh, three different uh, microservice or service or pieces of code repos, and uh, the QA is developing the test, uh, you can be really isolated and you can lose the track of what is happening in a project. So losing track referring to the architecture and the decisions and the logic within which are your uh, repositories, your your services. So um, this is really bad practice and I have seen it a lot. Uh, don't know why. I think it's related also with the pressure uh, the time constraint that people has is like, ah, I, I have a lot of things to do. Uh, the QA is to do the test. And <laughs> it's like, uh, but it's, it's, it's not a good practice at all. Um, and you will harm also the QA team uh, because the QA, uh, I think themselves, they consider as a different uh role within the team. So if you put them in that situation, uh, probably they will be no, not happy at all and sooner or later will leave. Um, so I encourage the, the, the listener of uh, taking the responsibility of testing the whole parameter, not only unit, but also integration and also uh, end-to-end testing. So um, that finally the, the QA team uh, cannot find any any error, uh, any yeah mistake in your code, in your behavior. And you should be really proud of that. And uh, it's a good metric, no? If the QA cannot find any error, um, it's like, okay, the team is working well and I think in a good pace, but not putting the responsibility on, on QA. So there's a couple of, of things that I've seen uh, in the past that, you know, helped with, with that kind of, you know, breaking down silos. Now, one is who's feeling the pain? Because one of the things that happens when uh, when you have a QA team that, you know, or a silo, no, because I mean, it doesn't have to be a QA team. It could just be, oh, this is the person that tests within our team, like the product owner or the VA or the whatever, right? Um, is that uh, the you know the defects and all this stuff is, is being created, but the pain is being suffered somewhere else, and there's a, a, a disconnection between you know uh, where the pain is and who actually created it, which is you know part of the issue. You know that that lack of systems thinking, and this is another thing why I like you know. Uh, I've known a couple of really good uh, QAs and they all had in common that they had a very systemic view of everything. <laughs> they knew uh, how everything, you know, kind of fit together and, and who were the people that they needed to talk to. And they were like very, very aware of the whole, right? Whereas um, what you get when you're having this silos are people are very focused on their task or their system and that's that's it. Right, like that. That's where the world ends. My job, no, or that ownership is, you know, I'll move tickets from, you know, to do to done, and you know, once that's done, next, no. 
So uh, one thing that I've uh, that I was seeing is you know bridging that gap, right? Like the pain and the maintenance of of the stuff that when it breaks and so on, uh, instead of being you know, handled by an external team or by you know the QA or whatever, just bridging that gap and having the team take ownership of of that as well, yeah, um, and and helping it fix and so on. Uh, the other thing is blurring the lines between the different functions, right? As and and there's lots of ways that you can do this. Like for instance, you could have a conversation with the team about you know what quality is and you know all of these things that we've been discussing so far and why it's important and so on, right? See the awareness and and try to move them towards the behavior that you're uh, that you're looking for. But uh, cross-functional pairing, like having a developer be pairing with you know with that QA that maybe may uh, that may be doing you know some technical coaching to get him to you know to be proficient in writing the tests or what things they need to look for and so on. That's another uh, good way because you start seeing also the the empathy side of things no like they, they see what that looks like uh and so on so th- those are two things that, that i've seen in the past uh work very well as well as going back to the awareness kind of uh, point um having metrics around things now open versus closed defects for instance is a very easy metric that almost everyone who's using jira uh probably has right um then you can see you know is it going up is it going down like is, is it stable like are they old are we you know all of that stuff is, is kind of um there no? um but it, it it is a very you know it there is an empathy and a systemic exercise that needs to be done by people in the team right the, the understanding that they are working you know, within a team and within a system and, you know, those, how those things fit together. And I think that education is, is part of that. No, it's just working towards that. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think is, is there, isn't there, I haven't read it myself, but there's a book called Extreme Ownership, I think. Uh, I haven't read it myself, but my understanding is that, um, you know, you, you get to the point where people understand that they are as responsible for the outcome of the product as the other guy is. Do you see what I mean? Like it, it's not just the QA's responsibility to ensure bugs don't get through. Um, and that's a common misconception. It's like, oh, QA's are basically like the the teacher marking your homework. No, that's nonsense. That's got nothing to do with it. It's everybody's responsibility to ensure quality comes down the pipe. Um, and I think you know, bringing that back to culture of testing and how you encourage that is is if people start to realize that they're responsible for the quality of the product um then and and they actually do feel that responsibility uh, testing is a really good opportunity for them to have a way of guaranteeing or proving that to some degree not entirely um but it, it offers them a, a framework a set of tools where they can say look i understand that I, I am responsible for the quality of this product how can i give you some assurance that i'm doing all i can to provide quality in this project. I think that that's, that's a major thing that testing does give you. Um, not saying that you can't give quality product without it, but for those people that, that feel the need to, to have some sort of formalized way of doing that, I think yeah. it, it can be really useful. Um, yeah. yeah, absolutely. For me also helps some kind of, well, techniques like um, BDD, behavioral driven design. So uh, working together with QA or even product owner uh, defining the, 
the feature um, in Cucumba and then helping implementing the functions uh, using, I don't know, JavaScript, uh, I think Jester or Cypress or uh, in Python behave, uh, I don't know, in JavaScript, Karate, I think it's Java, but I'm not sure. So this uh, team up uh, with QA helps you a lot to, to gain responsibility and also to police the, the behavior of your own uh, solution because um, maybe, well, for sure you will realize, okay, there is an input uh, I was not expecting and is defined in Cucumber here. And then if I do the this test, uh, the probably is a high-level test, like end-to-end test, uh, my system will crash. Uh, and you will uh, put or generate a fix and you will see the problem beforehand. You know? So collaboration in with these tools are also really productive, in my opinion. So for, for someone who's trying to accomplish this, what does good, you know, what does a good testing culture look like uh, to someone you know, to, to, just to see what people maybe could be aiming for, no, or, or what kind of behaviors they should be kind of seeing or, or nurturing in in their teams. Hmm. Uh, I go first. This uh, for me, maybe uh, a good culture is if you arrive to a team and you open the project and just taking the test folder, you can understand mostly the, the, the logic of, uh, of the, the solution or the application, most of the component without, I mean, the, the general idea, okay? Uh, not the, the details. Probably that's a team uh, that has a, a good culture because you are able to, to grasp really quickly all the features uh, that are there. Um, and also, perhaps, uh, what we mentioned already before, that uh, everybody uh, expect to have a good battery of tests, not only developers, but everybody in the companies, like, uh, like briefing, like, like uh, saying, uh, good morning to the people in the office. You have been nice, uh, so <laughs> you uh, have some some tests, and everybody expect that. I would say that these two things. So, so for me, this is actually a really difficult question, um, and I'm trying to put into words something which you kind of just feel when you're in that environment. You, you know, when you've you've got something which is working. <laughs> I don't think there's any one specific technique or, or set of tools I would necessarily demand that a good testing culture has. But I think there's a set of uh, behaviors the developers develop or, or, or demonstrate as a result of one. So I think you, you can usually diagnose a good testing culture from the symptoms rather than, than something else. Um, I, th I think one of the major things you see in, in a team with a good testing culture is... Um, how do I describe this? Uh, it's it's an ability to feel like they they the tests enable them to move forwards with a feature reliably. Um, and I use the term reliably because I don't necessarily mean fast. I mean 
the development of a feature doesn't feel like chaos, right? It doesn't feel like I am throwing myself into the unknown and, oh my goodness, I have no clue how to do this. And even if I do it, I'm not sure if it's right, right? A good testing culture eliminates that almost entirely. Um, you get the, the effect of developers being very sanguine about a new feature. A new feature comes down the pipe, right, okay, fine. So they just sort of get on with it. They do as their tests enable them to move forwards in a very reliable, very consistent way. So the first thing I would I would say is to to see if you are in, a, in an environment with a good testing culture. I would say, do you feel that your approach to development using tests enables you to move reliably? Like that's the first thing I would say. The next thing I'd say is, do your tests give you adequate feedback when something goes wrong? Right, because. The testing is great for delivering features, but the secondary, I wouldn't even call it secondary, uh, an additional feature of a good testing culture is that when something does go wrong, you can pinpoint the point at which it went wrong very accurately. Um, And that gets you into conversations about what layers of testing do you do, um, how... um, how detailed are the tests? Where do you start and stop them? So a a good testing culture should enable you to identify broken code with ease. That's symptom number two. And then I think the final symptom for me is um, how much confidence does your testing testing uh, environment give you that something which hits production is as bug-free as you can guarantee it? Right? How, how confident are you? If, if you? if you can't honestly say with like, I would say 90 to 95% confident that the thing you've just put into production is as good as bug-free, um, then your testing culture can be improved. There is always the the uh, possibility of just not seeing something. So I'm not going to say you have 100% confidence. I don't think anyone should do either. Bugs always slip through the net. But if you can honestly, if you can't rely on your tests to give you at least 95% confidence that you've done everything within your power to guarantee a bug-free release, I think that there's improvements to have. So th- those are the three things I tend to see in a, in a, in a project with good testing culture. Yeah. I particularly like a lot the the last uh, point because you see this all the time, and and we do a lot of you know software modernization projects and so on, and a lot of the the times we're working with legacy systems that don't have any tests, right? And that is part of the issue. So uh, when people are afraid to make changes, uh, that it is also a very good indicator for, you know, is, is what's that? No, it's like, well, what's happening there? No, it's, it's definitely a red flag to see people don't want to touch the code because, you know, they don't know if they're going to break something, right? Uh, exactly, exactly. So, and, and, and to some extent that is, that is, also terrifying for the business because that means you know your business is stopped right like you you're not you're not moving you're not adapting and you're not right and and that is that is a key aspect no in in today's changing context no you need to be adapting yeah um no that maybe a metric could be i mean the 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 longer uh, it takes for a ticket to be finished or a task to be finished, probably um, the, the, there is there is a symptom of uh, not having a uh, reliable uh, battery of tests. Like, I mean, if you want to change something, it takes. Uh, no, not necessarily, but not necessarily. Um, 
Because again, lead time in in particular, right? It depends on a lot of things, right? Like, um, you know, not, not everyone is you know GitHub or you know there's companies that are you know deploying to production every minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so it really depends now on what the maturity of the company is and so on. But it isn't. It definitely having a good testing culture should be reflected in you know how confident you are in in putting into production and therefore you know if you're more confident in putting things into production you may end up doing more of that no um so that there is a connection there but i wouldn't necessarily say it's the first thing that i would look at right uh for instance another metric which would be you know uh, change failure rates i think it's a bit better of an indicator right like if we put something into production is it broken how much of the time does that happen then <laughs> that is uh, you know uh, but then again it's a, it's a trick because if you don't put anything into production, which is the, the example that I was uh, giving before, no, then you know you have one hundred percent. No, you never put anything in production. That's that's uh, there's no problem there, right? Uh, so it, it is. It we is put cool. things in production just after two months of analysis. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, we, we are sure. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so uh, I'm conscious of time. Uh, it, this is, a, again, a topic that uh, can give a lot uh, to discuss about. Um, before we go, uh, are there any recommendations on resources or um, you know, maybe uh, talks, books, um, you know, advice that you would like to give to someone who may be interested in this topic and wants to try it out or wants to you know, start taking steps in that direction? Yeah, to be honest with you, there's a, there's a whole bunch of, of resources around this. Um, I think my biggest recommendation, and again, it's going to be a shameless plug for people who used to work at Coherence, but um, I, I honestly genuinely stand behind um, the publication, um, Agile Technical Practices Distilled. Um, for a junior developer and even senior developers who aren't very familiar with the, 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 the test-driven approach to, to work. Um, it is an exceptionally good book on this. Um, I think it gives you very, very practical um, advice and also very, 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 very hands-on approach to, to learning. So highly recommend that. And of course, you, ca you can't go wrong with uh, Kent Beck's, uh, what's it, uh, Test Driven Development Explained, is it? Or I can't, I can't you know, I've lost, forgotten the name of the book now. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a book by Kent Beck. Extreme, Extreme Programming Explained. Yeah, that's Extreme Programming Explained, but there's a TDD... Oh, there's one by, by I think it's Kent Beck. It says uh, TD, TDD, hands on TDD. It might be hands on TDD. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, certainly agile technical practices. Just Google TDD Kent Beck. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be on this <laughs> book. And it will show up. Yeah. And then, um, <laughs> the only other thing I would recommend for this sort of the more senior developer who wants to look at high level um, testing and, and different levels, which are beyond unit and maybe even integration, is a growing object oriented software. Um, by tests, is it? Goose? Guided by Guided tests. By yeah. tests. Um, I really recommend that one for getting a, a much more of a, a better perspective of high-level object-oriented development with, with testing. So, yeah. Yeah, from I, I also recommend that last book uh, for the 
Python community out there. I recommend the last book of Harry Percival. Uh, he has also a, a blog called Cosmic Python, uh, but the book is called Architecture Patterns with Python. So um, the book is mainly about patterns, but they go and implement and explain everything uh, using TDD. So it's pretty, pretty cool. And on top of that, uh, I will recommend uh, the discussion of, uh, I think, Ken Beck, uh, Martin Fowler, um, who was the other guy, the Ruby guy, uh, Ruby on Rails guy, I forgot the name. Uh, it's in YouTube uh, about the convenience of TDD you know, uh, for them. And it's really, they have three videos in YouTube. Uh, and they talk about why for one uh, is working, why not for for the other one. Um, it's quite quite interesting to see a open uh, uh, approach in saying, well, for me, TDD does not work because, for instance, here we agree that it's is a good practice, and they also agree, no? but it uh, depends on the situation or the way of uh, or your way of coding, uh, maybe it's not working for you. So it's interesting. One one last thing that I would add to that is if you're not doing it already, get in touch with uh, the software craftsmanship community in your area. Like that, that was one of the things that you know when we that's when we started the software craftsmanship community here in in Barcelona and Spain. That's what we were looking for. We were looking for other like minded people to like try out things and you know talk about these topics and so on. And over the years, that's where you know a lot of people have started, and it's a good way, even if you don't have the uh, let's say the support uh, in your organization or in your team or whatever, it's a good way of getting in touch with people like-minded and uh, and that can help you in, in that journey, right? And, you know, there's workshops going on all the time. Uh, we do some in our community. There's the Software Crafters Barcelona community, uh, Pamplona Software Crafters. There's lots of events also uh, and, and different different places right like uh, you have uh, Socrates you have so try to reach out to these people uh, maybe go to a global day of code retreat and you know uh, start you know and, and find people who can help you in that in that journey that's a good way right yeah I'd, I'd so, possibly second that yep yeah. So thanks, uh, Javier. Thanks, Alice, there uh, for your time. Uh, lovely to have you here. And again, this is a topic that we could talk for <laughs> hours about. Uh, <laughs> so, um, so I guess this is it for today's session and see you all in the next episode. Thanks very much. Thanks. Thanks a lot.